0: welcome back to the apartment library today we're recording an episode after reading a book recommended to us via email by kyle so thank you kyle we had this book in our shelves i think we got it at a, a
1: yard like, sale yeah
0: a yard sale a like,
1: couple years ago
0: like a year, ago, yeah, a year or like two there. ago it's one of those titles that I had heard like a million times before, like I'd all quiet on the Western front, like everyone has heard that combination of words, but, yeah. I, but I'd never really looked into what it was. And it was probably one of those books that I saw in a syllabus or in one of the reading guides at university, but I'd never looked into it. And I just kind of started reading as soon as Kyle recommended this book for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> like, I personally have heard people recommend it, and sorry, I have, I'm have recovering from a bit of an illness, so my voice sounds weird, but... Um, it's pneumonia. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a book that I've heard people recommend. It's kind of one of, seems to be one of those classic, you know, American novels. Maybe not as famous as, like, East of Eden or whatever those ones. Is that Ooh, Steinbeck. A, yeah. Or nice
0: name drop, holy Grapes
1: God. of Wrath. You know, those classic ones that I everyone... Know. Has heard of or read.
0: Have you read any Steinbeck? No.
1: I'm just saying that I feel like it's kind of in that category. Near. Yeah, yeah, for Maybe sure. not as... It's from the same era, too. Well-known.
0: Well, like, Steinbeck yeah. was, like, publishing earlier, but, like, it definitely takes place yeah. in the same era. Yeah. So, yeah. It this... just
1: ha- seems to be that quality and caliber of a book.
0: hmm And, you know? I guess, fame, too. Yeah. I think, yeah, uh, Of Mice and Men is Steinbeck's... Mm-hmm. Most famous book, I guess? Maybe. It's funny you would say East of Eden. That's, I don't know. That is a crazy name. I've never
1: read it, but it's obviously a book that everyone has heard of. Uh, it's or there was, on the shelves if you want yeah. to read it. Yeah. yeah. Stay tuned. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, so I've, I've heard people recommend this book online, and then when we saw it at the yard sale, we were both kind of interested. And then a kind listener recommended it, so it really spurred us to read it.
0: Yeah, it might have been years and years before we picked it up. I mean... The book pretty much came to us from my illness of, like, ever seeing a book and just picking it up and bringing it home. Yeah. That's why those little libraries are just fueling my addiction.
1: (laughs) That's a good addiction to have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Gotta take it easy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we still have some space on bookshelves, so.
0: So before looking into it, we had no idea. Tree Grows in Brooklyn. It was published in 1943. It says on Wikipedia that after it was repeatedly rejected, she sent it as an entry for a contest held by Harper and Brothers in 1942.
1: Did we even say who the author is? Betty Smith? I believe so. Did we? Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, a Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith, <laughs> in case you're going to read the title for this episode. And much like our last episode, Stoner, yeah. this was a life. Horribly tragic one, a beautiful one, but to that a life.
1: Yeah, not all the way to death of the main character,
0: but the death of the soul of the character.
1: <laughs> no, it had a happy ending. <laughs> but you're right, it does it covers several years over yeah. the life of a of a child and her family.
0: And there's there's that asterisk at the end too though, like you looked at the Wikipedia page, if you read this, this is kind of crazy, but content warning. So, apparently, this is a largely biographical book, a largely autobiographical book. And if you read Betty Smith's childhood and life story, it it very much is this. It's just, you know, kind of names redacted and changed type of thing. Okay. So, yeah, apparently, this this was... Inspired
1: by her own experience. I think
0: it was, like, she started writing it as a nonfiction account of, like... I don't know like what the focus of it was mm-hmm. if it were, if it was her life I mean given the book that had resulted in you would assume that that would be the case but uh, or if it was more of a portrait of Brooklyn or New York at the time or poverty or what have you mm-hmm. but she wrote it as such and then turned it into a novel. Okay. A fictionalized account, but largely an autobiographical account of her cool. life.
1: And it def- I can definitely see that because there's it's so detailed as a book in terms of just like the little side stories that it explores and just it feels very authentic. So I'm not surprised to hear that she based it off of her own experience.
0: Yeah, and then I guess there's the, the mystery and the question of like how much color she did add and how much liberty or embellishment she mm-hmm. indulged in yeah but i guess yeah.
1: yeah you probably have to it in order to make it flow as a story and to kind of retain the interest of the reader you might have to add things here and there i don't know
0: you could say that yeah like it would be a i think it would be the the strength of the storyteller's ability to use prose to dramatize a story whether fictional mm-hmm. or not yeah. That you'd be discussing more so than the actual veracity of, of the story or not. Okay. Right? Uh, the other like, interesting things I read about it was that the book was a huge success being published in 1943 at the height of the Second World War. I'm just saying words. Like, this could have been, like, a pretty chill year during the Second World War. Yeah. Nine, <laughs> but it really wasn't. But, yeah, it was, you know, quite squarely in the middle.
1: hmm
0: Having been published then... She said that she received more fan mail from men enlisted in overseas, like Americans in yeah. Europe, uh, or maybe in, in Asia as well, than from civilians reading the book hmm. in the States.
1: Hmm. Right? I wonder why they were drawn to it so much. I mean, it's a great book, so it could just be purely because it's an enjoyable, great read.
0: Yeah. Well, I, did...
1: I, I wonder, because like, it doesn't really deal with much of the war like it no. parts of the book happened during the war but it's not really a focus of the book if I remember correctly right no
0: not at all I think that the war as a current event kind of like the war in Ukraine is for us now if it yeah. were a a constant in the plot if it were an element of the story that is at the forefront yeah I don't think it would have had much success with the people no. engaged in that war yeah right? it like probably just want rem- to read about the no. war
1: it probably reminds them more so of just of home and the daily life of of living at home, maybe that just was like a fond memory sort of thing for them, I wonder.
0: On a more practical side, I think that they said it was one of those uh, titles that were published in a way that a soldier could carry, Mm -hmm. that it was published. Being a fairly long book, it was uh, printed and published in a way that could fit in a, uh, I think it said a jacket pocket Mm -hmm. or something like that. So small enough, right? Yeah. Like a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that.
1: Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah, that's a very interesting tidbit. But yeah, yeah so the story itself, I think it does share in, in in our recent history reading, it does share a lot of DNA with Stoner, I think. Mm-hmm. In that it is just her life. Or most mostly like a you could say a coming of age.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because
0: it doesn't follow her entire life, of course. But it does have so much of it. It's something that, like, nowadays, we, we I feel a tendency or a, an impulse to call it a slice of life. Mm-hmm. Which, in reality, is, you know, you, you could use that to describe largely anything that is of the less fantastical and more yeah. realistic or more mundane.
1: And I guess this maybe doesn't fall, like, perfectly into the definition of slice of life, because this is spans several years, right? Like, at least a decade, I think. Yeah. And it
0: is marked by, like, some defining moments.
1: But I get what you mean because it has those, like, it does describe a lot of, like, the daily sort of activities of living where and when they did. And it has a lot of that, to me, like, a lot of the coziness of that type of novel where it just describes, like, really cozy, comforting scenes, you know, between a family and whatever. So, yeah, it has that ambience of like a slice of life book.
0: Yeah, it has to be like a major characteristic of what compels someone to describe a work of art as mm-hmm. slice of life or cozy as you just did. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that there is this coziness in the mundane, in the mm-hmm. everyday and the quotidian.
1: Yeah. The full <laughs> words
0: from the Thesaurus. Yes. On a completely unrelated side note, if you hear some suspicious noises, it's because the cat happens to be in the recording studio right now.
1: And she's being really adorable.
0: You always say that about her. Just
1: look at her. I wish we could attach a picture to this audio experience because she looks really cute right now. Just lying on her little toy.
0: Maybe we can just describe a picture. She's Mm -hmm. gray and very fussy and pretty fat.
1: She's not fat. She's pretty fat. She's not.
0: She's really cute, but she's she's pretty fat.
1: She's not. We don't have a fat cat. That's cruel.
0: I wish we had a fat cat. No.
1: Anyways, back to the book. <laughs> <laughs> so we both really liked it, right? You enjoyed it. You listened to it in audiobook version. I, I read it physical book version.
0: I read, I think, the first couple chapters. Yeah. And then I started listening to the audiobook, and it was great.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I should probably look that up. It was fantastic. I read the first couple of chapters I think from the from the hard copy we have but then I found the audiobook and it was sensational. The voice acting was spectacular. I just looked up the name and work of that narrator and to my surprise well, she was born in Geneva, Switzerland but apparently she worked as an actor in Broadway so that probably tracks. And yeah, she just had this like fantastic cadence and ability to convey the the feeling more than just reading the words on a page.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, I think that like the moments that I remember the most from listening to this were definitely because of her voice acting as much as the strength of the story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there are so many moments, particularly early on, I think. I think I had read that there were going to be tragedies that punctuated Francie's life. And I sort of kept waiting for them. And I guess you could call it a spoiler in a way that, like, I just, like, saw her father's death coming from, like, so far. I mean, it was kind of obvious that he was literally drinking himself to death.
1: And I think certain in certain points in the book, it's sad, like, none of his siblings lived past 35. Like, none of the... Whatever their last name was.
0: I mean, that was everybody, though. What was their last name? <laughs> Nolan?
1: Yes. Yeah. None of the Nolan sons lived past 35. Yeah. So, like, obviously, <laughs> you can see it coming, for sure.
0: Well, that's literally, like, the entire population. No. <laughs> the, the oldest person was 41. No. <laughs> that also was a great part of the book, though, when they... They went back in time and they told the parents' backstories.
1: Yeah, that was really cool, and how they used to clean schools together.
0: That part was awesome. That
1: was seemed like a fun life, and then they had kids. Bah, bah, bah.
0: <laughs> and it's so funny because like he gets so depressed, so heavily, and he starts drinking when Francie's born. Yeah, and I, I can remember there being something similar when Neely is born, but he dies after going on a massive bender. After finding out that Katie is pregnant for a third time.
1: Yes, but didn't he also lose his job? His serving job? I think that's what really set him off.
0: Yeah. Wasn't that because he was drunk as hell, though? I think... Probably.
1: It has to... Yeah, it was to do with, yeah. I guess, his, you know, it was, deficiencies.
0: Like, yeah, exactly. It's not like he was ever a stellar employee. Like, his termination was always imminent.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I think him getting officially fired from that was what really sent him down that spiral. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked like the backstory parts and like you could kind of yeah, see their lives leading up to the main, you know, beef of the story. It was cool.
0: Yeah, I think it embodies like so much of the the US's identity uh, as this melting pot that like so many people come from families of immigrants. So many people are immigrants mm-hmm. and so many people trace their genealogy back to so many people that came over from europe in this case right the italians the irish the mix like they say in this (laughs) book that was really funny too yeah like they they use it so much
1: yeah but yeah another thing i i just liked about the book and like obviously one of the biggest themes is kind of poverty and being poor and the daily struggle and that's just crazy because i guess in our current modern times it's hard you know people find it hard like inflation cost of living whatever and then we kind of romanticize back in the day when things were easier and better but reading this story set during the time it was and being poor in that time was horrible like literally you couldn't you didn't have money to heat your whole house you had to only you could only heat you know one room maybe like you're literally counting pennies right
0: yeah i mean a penny was like a hundred dollars back then. <laughs> no, you know what yeah. I mean. It though. was funny though, like at the beginning when they're like uh, selling literally trash. Mm-hmm. They're like essentially recycling for money.
1: Yeah, just for like little spending money for the kids. Yeah, right?
0: but they're literally pennies, like yeah. one to five pennies. Yeah. Putting so much of it in, into the little piggy bank mm-hmm. and going over to the little shops and buying. Like a loaf of bread for a nickel or yeah. whatever.
1: And that's the big thing I loved about the book is just those little, it, it, it described like those daily interactions, going to the shop, buying candy, buying bread, you know, just like the daily life in the neighborhood. I really enjoyed that.
0: And when she goes to the, uh was it the butcher or something? And, like, she mm-hmm. has to, like, ask for the certain type of meat. And the guy's, he's going to give her, like, you know, the, the stuff that he had already cut, leftovers from the previous cut or something like that. And, like, mom told me not to let him give me that and to, like, put my foot down and this whole mm-hmm. thing. And that's like, this, like, bis- big contentious moment for Francie that, like, you know, and the guy's, like... God damn it, like, modern, under... under it's, it's, like, pretty racist shit, too. Like, he's such fucking mess, you know? Like Yeah. That's nah, funny. I, uh... I think it does a really good job of, like, conveying real life mm-hmm. in the context of poverty. And so very sadly is the fact that, like, that is a very miserable and horrible existence that people live like that today, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, um, it definitely didn't glamorize it or anything. It was very... You really felt the struggle.
0: Absolutely. And the tragedies that accompanied it are largely what make the story for Francie. Mm -hmm. Her her life is a collection of memories of horrible things that have happened to her, spiced with the nice, kind, and beautiful moments that, small as they are, she uses to escape from... Mm -hmm. her poverty-stricken existence.
1: For sure. But it it didn't feel like a negative book or anything, you know? I didn't feel like super sad and negative. And I don't think it had that tone either. It It had like a very realistic tone in the sense of it didn't hide from the poverty like it described, you know, the hardships. And you felt it. But everyone, especially Francie, because she's, I guess, the one that the book follows mostly. But they were always kind of optimistic I guess probably the kids more so than the parents because I guess kids in general are probably a bit more optimistic but yeah it had like a nice feeling of improvement and trying to improve your situation and you know getting an education was a big thing in the book as well mm-hmm. that was very valued by Francie and and her mom And so yeah I had a very like optimistic positive take on like the poverty story I guess Mm -hmm.
0: not to say that it was actually a a negative book it didn't feel like that for me either but I do like listening to your argument there it makes me think about like how much of her own perception of her life as being told in this semi-autobiographical account did Betty Smith embellish and or exaggerate or romanticized in the way in which she remembered it Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, it didn't come across as anything uh, fanciful or or too romantic in that sense. There was a lot that I liked about it. Yeah,
1: like, another thing, just while you're collecting yeah, yeah, no. your thoughts. Yeah. Um, I really loved, like, I think one of the most memorable and one of my favorite moments in the book is when um, Katie, Francie's mom, is giving birth to Francie or just gave birth to Francie, I think. Mm-hmm. And her mom is there in their house. And like the mom is kind of explaining, like, this is my method of that. I've been using to save money my whole life. You know, the little oh, yeah, the yeah. little piggy bank and every little thing you can save, put it in there. And then eventually you'll be able to better yourself and better your life. I just thought that was such a nice message. Like if it's people that are not accepting their fate you know and not to say that if you don't get out of poverty you're a failure and you just you just didn't try <laughs> hard enough like of course not but it's it's nice that they had that optimism and that that drive to to try at least and better their life and you know get out of poverty hopefully one day right
0: so oh, for sure that yeah. is largely like the overarching story of uh katie is to like overcome adversity in the face of like the endless challenges, mm-hmm. but at the end, it is kind of a Deus ex machina type of solution that ends up being like it is her marrying. I can't remember his name. Yeah, like, the nice the, dude at the end.
1: The cop. Yeah, I can't remember his name.
0: Yeah, and uh, that like his financial situation lifts lifts theirs, right? Like, yeah, he lifts them out, out of poverty. Yeah, but uh, I
1: still it's just a. Not, But just, to, like, I think also, even if that didn't happen, like, Francie had that really good job at, um... At the newspaper. Yeah, although I can't remember, maybe she ended up losing it at some point, because I remember the company lost a lot of their business.
0: Yeah, I was during the war, but I think she got another yeah. one after that was similar.
1: Yeah, all that to say that time. even if that, you know, if that cop didn't come and marry the mom, I think they still would have been okay.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, it's it's, like, highly punctuated with that event at the end to say, like, you see, like, good things do happen to good people. In that the message is obviously not like yeah that like the the single mom needs a man even though at the time that would have been far more true than it would be today mm-hmm. um, to lift her out of poverty or to improve her financial situation or what have you or any other need for that matter but that the fact is that like it does happen right and I think that like the sentiment that I get most out of that would be that Katie works so hard. And breaks her back, keeping them afloat, especially in the face of, like, her husband's troubles and alcoholism and failure to keep a job. And in the end, yeah, good things do happen to Mm -hmm. good people. So it's not like, I guess, yeah, it is not so much a, a deus ex machina sort of moment or solution to the problem, but something that did happen. And that's kind of what makes me sort of... It sours the memory a little bit for me the fact that like I I read into some like real-life Account by Betty Smith the author that this man whose name we can't remember probably was obviously different in the book than in real life, but like actually who married their mother and improved their financial situation that apparently the the guy uh, sexually assaulted her like the real-life Betty Smith and I remember being so surprised if that is the case, if that is, you know, like not a a misconstrued interpretation of her statement or because I think it was something that she had written later in life or something. Yeah.
1: And from what I remember on the Wikipedia page, when it talked about this, it said it was kind of, it was implied or it it wasn't like she came out and said that this happened. It was kind of people reading into it, maybe. I don't know.
0: But I found that so shocking because up until after finishing the book and reading that... That man had seemed so nice, right? He was absolutely the character, at least in the book. If we're limiting our conversation to the character in the book, he was definitely a kind, honest, non-forceful...
1: Very respectful, very polite.
0: Yeah, like man who comes into Katie's life. So that is very weird that she would have written and published that book with that tone, with that character and that tone, if if her memory of that man had been obviously one of having been assaulted, which is very strange.
1: I mean, I guess uh, that's that's the difference between writing a book and, like, writing an autobiography. Like, in the, in this book, she wanted that character to be a good person. I mean, I I think we have to kind of separate the book and her life. Because this is a fiction book it's not an autobiography
0: it's a semi-autobiographical fictionalization of her life though it's not just a fiction so i mean
1: where but like it's not like it's said that anywhere in the book you know what i mean like
0: no i didn't but like yeah i guess if you're saying like if we hadn't had this information but we do right like yeah
1: i'm just saying that like i think we need to like separate the book from her wikipedia page yeah, you sure, know? Okay, like, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, yeah. th- th- in the book, that character was a good person, a kind man. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, that's I'm just I'm saying, addressing. like, try, I guess try not to let that taint your impression of the story, is all I'm saying.
0: Well, it's a question mark more than uh, a definite perception of what it is, because it's not true, and I didn't really, like, look into it any further than that, I don't think, but it is very much... How I will remember the book forever afterwards, after like getting that information, like so many other things, right? Yeah, like, I mean, really I guess really...
1: you, you can't control how you feel. I'm just saying that yeah. I, that's not how I like, that's not my uh, takeaway of the ending of the book. I don't, I don't see it in that light personally.
0: Well, what do you mean? What light?
1: Of like this, this cre this man that comes to marry the mom is, you know, a danger.
0: Well, yeah, not in the book, not at all. Yeah. My point is that, like, if in the book, it really doesn't feel that way. Um, if he comes yeah. across as, like, as what he does, like, you and I both probably experienced that character in the same way, which it was, the he was a an honest, good man. And it makes me question the interpretation of her real-life statement that might have led someone to assume that that was the case, that she had been sexually assaulted by someone, and that that someone was... Him, yeah, or the yeah, man who, yeah. Who, who was portrayed by that character? Yeah, I don't know. so that's what that's what I mean. That's why I, I, yeah. I thought it was weird. So like maybe it's yeah, like Maybe we were just like debating someone's misinterpretation of mm-hmm. something written in Wikipedia or whatever. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, like in real life, like it most likely wasn't Betty Smith's real life. There were like all this cast of characters and like the entire like spectrum of of characters that would make a life in a neighborhood and an experience living in a place and particularly in a place like New York at the time. And even today, which is a kaleidoscopic melange of literally every type of person, culture, history, language, mm-hmm. or background that you could ever come up with.
1: Yeah. And I think we like talked about this earlier too, like outside of the podcast about this book is in this time period I don't have any evidence for this, it's just my impression, but that neighbourhoods probably felt like so much more of a community. Oh, yeah. Because you go to, you know, let's go to Mr. whatever, the grocer, and then let's go to this guy, the butcher. Like, you have your stores, you know the owners, you know your neighbours, because oh, yeah. I feel like people back then didn't move around as much. Oh, no, absolutely. So you live in a neighbourhood, you live in a house, all, maybe, for your whole entire life, potentially. Or for many, many years, so... Yeah, the book totally had that really lovely atmosphere of like a community, a neighborhood, a place, you know, that it's hard, I guess, to find that these days.
0: Well, it definitely is a, a contrast with the way that we live our lives, right? Like we know we can count the number of neighbors that we have whose names we know in one hand. Like, I was born on the other side of the planet. You were born a thousand kilometers away from here, right? Like, people move, and that type of community doesn't exist so much. I'm Mm -hmm. sure some people would argue, be like, yeah, like, there are neighborhoods where people are particularly in in poverty, right? Like, particularly, like, the people that are, the people who are less likely to move around are those who live in poverty. So, there would be, I guess, like, a... I mean, not to say that we're wealthy or anything, but we're definitely lucky that we've had the upbringing and the experiences that, that we've had. Mm-hmm. I think this book channels a lot of that, too. The fact that, like, you know, you are, like you said, not defined by your fate, even though most people actually are, right? Like, yeah. statistically speaking, if you are born in a, in a certain Social socioeconomic... Thing, yeah. Stratum, you will stay within it. Like, you will most likely not leave the middle class, mm-hmm. either up or down. Yeah. Right.
1: But it's nice to see those stories where people are able to escape that.
0: Yeah. I mean, there is, I guess, the question of that Deus Ex Machina. Like, would, would they have left poverty without that man coming in at the end? Even for France, who's like making pretty good money working there, like, that is still a mountain to face. which is to like in that case would be like just the family right like you not just like lifting yourself out of poverty and then i guess comes a question of individualism versus community or individualism in america or individualism for a woman in america where she would have to educate herself make her way through post-secondary education and get a good job even though like you know she had a good job before she could even go to a High school, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, she was making really good money. It's
0: like $20.
1: At, like, age, what, 14, 15 or something? Yeah. She was telling her boss that she was 16, but she was Yeah, she, she was
0: 14, and she was saying 16. Yeah,
1: so that's what makes me have hope that even if that, that man didn't come along and didn't want to marry the mom, I still think that they would have been okay, just because yeah. of, like, first of all, Katie is, like, she's such a hard worker, although now she has a baby, but... Francie, like, <laughs> getting educated, smart girl, yeah. getting a good job. Like, I, I feel like they they would have been fine. And her brother, oh, too. Like, I can't remember what happened to him at the end. Did he also go to university? No,
0: he didn't want to go to school. There was yeah. that, that moment where Katie was saying, okay, Francie, you want to go to school, but you're not going to because you're yeah. doing well and you're going to, like, yeah, provide for that. your brother and we're going to force your brother yeah. to go to school because he doesn't want to. Therefore, if we don't make him, he won't go and he needs to go because he needs yeah. the education. I remember
1: that. i just not sure if he... At the end, he, like... Went to university after all. I can't remember.
0: I can't remember. I thought he was, like... That talk- was for high school. he was school. talking about, like, joining the army or something. Yeah,
1: I can't re- remember exactly what happened to the brother at yeah. the end. But, but
0: they were doing fine. Yes. Yeah, like, th-
1: the point is, like, the book ended on a very optimistic, positive note. Yeah. Which I, I like. It's nice to have a happy ending now and then.
0: I, uh, f- From a purely narrative and prose practical aspect, I love that ending. Mm -hmm. I listen to it, which is something that I do more and more and more, but, like, it is still not something that I'm, like, super, super familiar with. I guess just with, like, written books with hard copies, I try one and it doesn't work. Try one and I don't... I'm not ready for it yet, it's not. I'm not in the right mood for that, what have you. But I love the ending of this book. I Mm can't even tell you, like, a sentence in it, but it had that feeling that... I always trace back to a book like The House of the Spirits by Isabel Allende, which changed the way that I perceive books and stories in general. And it gave me goosebumps, right? Just reading, or in this case, listening to that ending, where it brings everything back around. It seals the story into your heart and into your memory just by the sheer beauty of the prose, but because the work has been done to bring these characters to life and Francie is more or less a grown-up, she's getting ready to go out or to move out of the house, I think, and she sees the little girl across the street in the buildings or in the balcony, Mm, I can remember, and looking at her like she used to look at the girls getting ready to go out at night, looking at themselves in the mirror, putting makeup and getting dressed and... And feeling beautiful, and and wanting that for herself, and seeing that, and seeing the nostalgia of her looking back, and seeing the the beauty of and happiness and joy of where she found herself now mm-hmm. after the tragedies that had befallen them, and that had very much marked her. Like after her dad dies, that becomes the central point of the book. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, like everything. For friends, everything
1: feels different after that moment. Yeah,
0: and everything. Yeah, everything is. Colored by that event. But yeah, the ending was...
1: Really, really nice.
0: Yeah, it was It was just... It's difficult to describe. It was just beautiful. It was simply beautiful. Very much like Stoner. Yeah. It has this je ne sais quoi. Of...
1: Yeah, like it just, it just comes back around to the start of the book. And it just perfectly wraps it up in a nice perfect bow.
0: And there's the tree, which we haven't mentioned, but yeah, there's the tree that had been there from the beginning that she describes. She loves to read under the shade of the tree mm-hmm. in her balcony. And at the end, it had been stubbornly uh, there. Mm-hmm. They couldn't remove it. They had tried to remove the yeah, tree, I think and there people... was just a stump. In, like, yeah, they in...
1: chopped it down, essentially. But...
0: It, and it grew back again, like yeah. the phoenix. So there mm-hmm. has to be some symbolism that we could you know, try to go into there about like how people are reborn out of tragedy and how they overcome their... Well, there, you have it. Yeah. I cracked it. No, yeah. no, no need to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll remember the imagery of Francie looking at the little girl and seeing herself reflected in that mirror. Mm-hmm. And seeing the past and seeing how it is all better now and it will change and that you have to work hard and that you have to love yourself and you have to overcome the challenges. And I sound like a self-help book. But it was beautiful. It was absolutely Yeah. Great. Thank you so much again for the recommendation. We most likely wouldn't have read this book in a long time, if ever, if it hadn't come to us via recommendation. Whether that would have been through something that you read on Reddit or someone else that we know or wrote to us. And shop the book in our faces
1: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah amongst the many 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 books in the apartment library that is now one that was very high up in our TBR but I'm so glad that someone brought yeah. it up
1: it definitely was on our TBR because like we bought it at the yard sale because we both wanted to read it so I uh, think we would have on the strength
0: we, of its fame
1: though. yeah and like we I think I, I would have read it eventually but like you said it could have been years from now so I'm glad yeah. we read it now and it's just It's filled with so many good moments, like, so many little funny side stories, like that child who was obsessed with breastfeeding off from his mom. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, and the lady paints her boob black or something. To
1: scare the baby. Like, so many of those, like, really, uh, (laughs) like, it didn't have to be in the book, right? Like, that could have been chopped out of the book and the story would have... You would have gotten the story, but it's just so many cute little charming side moments in this book. Oh yeah,
0: someone could tell you those are the little frames in the mosaic that make up Brooklyn and or this book and or a community, such as you described, mm-hmm. where everyone knows everybody and everybody comes from a different background, but they make their own flavor by living there and being mm-hmm. together and...
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the book is just filled with those beautiful little moments, really nice day-to-day scenes between, you know, Francie and her family, her brother, but also just people in the neighborhood and it's just a really pleasant book to read. And it it, was. it has a yeah, like we said earlier, a really good mix of the real brutal hardships of being poor. And honestly, like there's a part in the book where the mom was thinking like I passed a few days from now, we'll have no money. I don't know how we're going to make it until the kids go back to work in the summer or something like that. So it has those really real moments where, I mean, thankfully, we've never had to live anything like that. But there are people who who, who live that. Oh, yeah. they, they don't know how they're going to make it to the end of the month. And oh, yeah. we've never had to live that. I can't imagine how hard that is. So the book has those moments. But it's also, it's not just like poverty porn or whatever. Like yeah. books, some books are just really, really negative constantly and they have no happy payoff. But this book has those harsh moments, but it's interspersed with like such a positive, happy story in many ways and like really good character growth and just really pleasant and such a satisfying conclusion to the story.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, we really loved it. We Thank did. you, Kyle. <laughs>
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Anything else you wanted to say? Like, any other parts of the book that really stood out to you?
0: About the book in particular, no. I think that, like, I think you summed it up really well. I think that, like, the little moments of light and joy and just character fun, mm-hmm. a lot of the things that, you know, it, uh, from, you know, the uh, dark side of it, I, it reminded me a lot of this movie that I saw. A while back, we should probably watch it. I think you would like it. It's called uh, Cinderella Man. Okay. With uh, Russell Crowe. I remember
1: and you I, saying I, that you liked it as a kid or something. Yeah, I
0: think it's for Nessel an uh, Okay. And there's... It's kind of the same setting. I think it might be, like, a little later on, like, let's say the 30s or something. But mm-hmm. I believe in New York or in, you know, in the Eastern Seaward and... Very, very stricken with poverty. The man, like, works the type of job that Johnny Nolan works in this book, where he has to go and ask every day if he can work that day, if he has a job, if there Mm -hmm. is a job for him, um... I think, actually, that, like, they mentioned that, like, when he can't work as a singing waiter. Yeah. Which is a job that I wish came back. <laughs> I don't think I could go every week, but that'd be pretty funny to see.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think there are some places where they still do that. We,
1: when my family and I went to New York City, like, years ago, there was a, a restaurant where the waiters would sing. Because I think the thing was a lot of them were, like, aspiring actors or on Broadway or whatever. So they are doing this just to make money. And, yeah, it was, like, a musical
0: but did you go? Yes. Oh, what? Yeah. Okay, so you went to, to, to Johnny Nolan's job then. <laughs> I, That's I'm exactly assuming, it. That's I'm essentially assuming. it. Yeah, it's a singing waiter. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Mm. In New York on top of Yes. Oh yeah, we forgot to mention, you've been to New York. <laughs> yes, but not for, a, not for a long
1: time. And we'd love to, we would love to go back.
0: Yeah, know, absolutely. And visit uh, Brooklyn yeah, we went in to, uh, modern
1: times.
0: <laughs> nah, only Manhattan. No. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the entire chorus of all the people from New York that are not from Manhattan, and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, in this movie, he, uh, he does exactly, I think, what the Johnny has to do when he can't get shifts as a waiter, mm-hmm. where he has to go to the docks or to the port or something like that and see if he can get work. I think that is a, a scene in Cinderella Man where, like, the man... Well, I think that's, like, every day where, like, he has to go there and see if he gets picked to work that day. And I remember another scene where the mom, she grabs the jug of milk and put water in it to thin it down to, like, to make mm. more. And she makes uh some... These sad little pancakes with, like, what little flour they have. And they have zero money. They can't buy anything. Yeah. Uh, that day. So they have to make do with what they have. they have a couple of kids, two or three kids. And... She makes these sad little pancakes and she gives them to the kids and she's obviously not eating anything. And the little girl who got up earlier, I, I think, this was years ago that I saw this, uh, she says, uh, mom, can I have some more? And the mom with like heartbreak in her face, she says, no, you can't because we have to leave enough for your brothers. Yeah. And.
1: Oh, that's tough.
0: Yeah, and that reminded me, I think, the setting and the the level of poverty, I think. Oh,
1: yeah, like the, little, like, rationing meals. It's totally like this book.
0: Yeah, in the beginning, it didn't feel that way. In the beginning, it was far more joyous than, I guess, like, it is being seen... The book of the movie? The book. Okay, yeah. It is being seen through the the lens of friends and her brother, and they're doing the fun things that seem so fun. And when you look back, you realize, like, oh, we only did that because we were really, really poor, mm-hmm. you know, like bringing the like literally garbage to the guy for you know, exchange it for pennies or yeah. whatever. It was like cloth, I don't know what it was.
1: I think it was just a lot of metal and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, it I was like, yeah. Like, yeah. waste stuff. Yeah. Was it metal? I can't remember. I don't know. But, but uh, in yeah. my head it was metal. I don't know. Why. Yeah. And then going to uh, to buy candy with, like, what they didn't put in the... In
1: the bank. In the piggy bank. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. And, and seeing the, the scam that the guy was running... With the little lottery that the kids yeah. could, like, they could buy something, and it was always... Try- and, like Yeah, you'd never win. Yeah, and there was all... Yeah, exactly. And there were the good prizes that you would never mm. win, and there, were- there was a pair of roller skates, I yeah. think.
1: And then, funny, because, again, another part where the book kind of comes full circle. End. She goes back when she's older, yeah. and she tells the guy, okay, I'm going to buy all of the tickets... And so I'm see, gonna win all the things. Yeah, I'm gonna get all the all the prizes, aren't I? If I'm buying all the available tickets. Yeah, and, the and the guy's, guy's like, like oh, Francie, uh, don't do that to me or something.
0: <laughs> like so, I'm trying to run an honest yeah, scam here.
1: So I love see the book has so many of those really nice, <laughs> funny little side stories. Yeah.
0: Like And then there's the fat Jewish ladies that like Franny looks up to, that she's just like, When I grow up, I'm gonna be like one of those they're like, pregnant. The, yeah, the fat yeah, like the, the pregnant Jewesses because they look yeah. so <laughs> Uh, what was the word she used? Uh, like, she they would walk so with, like, their, yeah, their yeah, backs so straight. so and... that's right. When yeah. I grow up, I'm going to get pregnant, I'm going to look proud like them. Yeah, cute. I
1: love it. No, this book was awesome, and, yeah, like, it had, you know, also, th- like, the mother, Katie, was so proud, like, she wouldn't accept charity, and right. I kept thinking, lady, your kids are hungry, they're yeah. skinny, they're, they're starving, moms. like, take Charity, take this man's money he's offering you. But for some reason, she... Pride or whatever, she didn't want to accept any help but for the sake of your children accept the help but anyways
0: yeah I've I've seen that it
1: feels like a real character like that's a a real you know yeah I've seen that in real life yeah people are like that so I guess you could call it a flaw I don't know but I mean that was like
0: her mom I'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. that was you know she was just writing what she saw in her real life mother and
1: that's why a lot of yeah the characters just felt so authentic so Mm -hmm. yeah really really good and Johnny's story is so sad as well like
0: yeah. He that, just that is, had yeah, no,
1: like, he, he had no confidence, no, he felt he was, he had no purpose and he was, he was trapped in it. Yeah. And, and I think he just felt that he was a horrible dad, a horrible husband, like he couldn't provide.
0: Yeah. he was like whatever. perpetually disappointed in himself. Yeah. And like, then he had this disease of alcoholism yeah. for which at the time there would have been like.
1: No understanding really. No, yeah, No, like no support. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So very, very tragic mm-hmm. what happens to him.
0: Uh, But yeah, that is the case of millions of people that Mm -hmm. find themselves in that position, succumbing to alcohol, in particular, and other drugs Mm -hmm. in general. It is sadly one of the great tragedies of the everyday Mm -hmm. family.
1: Yeah, and just the life that they were living. I mean, there wasn't much pleasure in terms of, you know, comforts. I guess you could get your, you know... You have a, a loving family, children, a loving wife, but I guess all of the other parts of living in poverty just makes it so difficult to cope with.
0: It was, yeah, yeah. it has to be difficult, and there has to be a, a, a factor of that that yeah. you know, propels your disease into getting worse, yeah, for sure, yeah. or it doesn't help it getting any better. But yeah, you could say, like, yeah, I mean, Katie, she did well, mm-hmm. and she was hardworking, dedicated, honest, proud, and she was the opposite. She was very much the the polar opposite. But yeah, there were there were like beautiful moments between them too, like when they were working at the school. that was one of my favorite yeah. moments too. <clears throat> yeah, and, and it, was, it hard- was so sad when they when they lose the job. Oh yeah, because she's pregnant and given birth. yeah and the pipes freeze and burst. So oh, it causes no. a bunch of. But then his, his, his boss, the school principal, I think he yeah. wasn't even. He was understanding. Yeah, but he, he didn't, wasn't mean about it. You know, he's he like, "I have everyone. to fire you," but like, I'm yeah. not gonna, yeah, like, I'm not gonna just... go after
1: you for the money, exactly, to repair yeah. or whatever. I, so. like, I, know, I know what
0: happened, but you know, kind yeah, yeah. of, we can't keep you, so yeah. But there was also the the scene where I think Kitty was doing dishes or cooking in the apartment, and Johnny would like read the newspaper to her mm-hmm. and just read the entire thing out loud. Yeah, yeah. And Francie should be like, oh, "Daddy's so." quirky (laughs) yeah
1: and another character i can't remember the name but the man who like owned the bar and like the kind of restaurant where like the kids go to work a little bit for a little bit after school and how he he really wanted like a wife that he could have a conversation with and
0: oh yeah and his wife yeah yeah yeah, yeah, so just
1: it just this goes to show like the book is just sprinkled with all of these like really interesting characters, really interesting backstories. Yeah, we
0: haven't even talked about oh, Katie's yeah sisters. There's,
1: I mean, exactly And, and, her, they're and such, their lives. They're great characters. Particularly
0: the, the Sissy. Ones, yeah Sissy. Yeah. yeah. Who's, who's, she is probably like the third biggest character. Yeah. Like she like more of her life is covered than Johnny's. Yeah, probably. That. But yeah, like you said, it's peppered with like all these mm-hmm. different flavors of people, different stories and different lives and yeah
1: really and, really well done yeah it's just there's so much in the book like yeah. we haven't even scratched the surface of the characters and the storylines and it's just yeah incredible so we we both loved it right
0: yeah and if you are into audiobooks i i thought this was one of the better ones i'd listened to for sure
1: and it had that cool little jazz tune right Oh yeah
0: yeah yeah <laughs> like every it wasn't even chapter breaks it was just like the line breaks in between you know like within the chapter and there would be like this cute little jazzy tune that would play (laughs) it almost didn't feel off the time it was kind of weird yeah
1: because i mean obviously jazz was around but it's not like it was a theme of the book or it's not like it was referenced in the book at all as far as i know right not much
0: you know Yeah. yeah but it was cute but yeah no the voice acting was uh it was excellent yeah yeah it has the for instance like okay so like I like to talk about other books at the end of the episode. So, sure. like, yeah, like right now, I'm like listening. I'm reading and listening to Chasm City by Alastair Reynolds, and I bought the audiobook, so I'm feeling pretty compelled to listen to it. I bought both. I bought the ebook and the audiobook at different times, mm-hmm. um, and I bought the uh, the audiobook to to work on other stuff while I listened to it, and I'm finding that difficult. It's the first science fiction book I think that I listened to. Mm-hmm. On audiobook, and and I'm finding it difficult to pay attention and to work on other stuff at the same time. Mm-hmm. It is more in depth, I think. Other books that I've enjoyed doing the same thing, you know, like working on on craft or cooking or something, and listen at the same time and not lose the thread. I guess, like you could say, like that's we don't know whether that's because like I'm losing the thread and like losing interest because of my own catastrophe <laughs> overhead, but. Or if it's just because the book is, you know, it, it demands more attention or it's not, you know, narrated in a compelling way or what have you. But, like, yeah, I'm, I'm finding it difficult to to listen to that and to work on something else. Mm. As opposed to other books that I've done that and yeah. enjoyed and absorbed almost fully, let's say. Mm. So, uh, you've read a couple of other things since, right?
1: Actually, I think I've only read one book since I finished A Tree Goes in the Bookland. Oh, okay. yeah. And it was, um, actually, I finished it this morning. Um, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine.
0: Is she? Yeah,
1: and I loved that book. Oh, wow. Yeah. It Do was... tell? <laughs> Do tell. It was really good. It was... And similar to The Tree Girls in Brooklyn, it's a book that has, like, a lot of sad elements to it. Like, the Eleanor character. As the book goes on, you learn more about her backstory, and it's a horrible tragedy. I won't give away any spoilers in case oh. someone's listening that wants to read that book. But <clears throat> her backstory is full of like a lot of trauma from her mom and just her upbringing and she as a person is very um very awkward like i read online that people think that she has like autism or something but apparently the author said she doesn't but anyways her her character is someone who just doesn't know how to interact um socially in a lot of settings they're very awkward they're very um introverted like very isolated i can Um, relate to that yeah so like she kind of just says what's on her mind even if i might come across as rude so that kind of character and it kind of explores her coming to terms with like her past and um she's lonely loneliness is another big thing in the book and eventually she gets she finds a really good friend and it's just a really wholesome happy positive book Hmm. about kind of dealing with a bad, sad history in your life and kind of learning how to deal with it. And yeah, so all that to say, I really liked that book as well. Um, so yeah, highly recommend it, if that at all sounds interesting to you. Decent.
0: <laughs> and I think you read something else that you might have mentioned in our previous episode before reading A Tree grown in Brooklyn. Was it a Tomorrow, Tomorrow, Tomorrow?
1: That was a few books ago. Okay. That's another book I really liked as well, but that book apparently is extremely polarizing.
0: Yeah, that's like what I've I've, heard.
1: I've read some things online. People say it's like the worst book they've ever read, and <laughs> it made them mad, and they're so angry. I I I don't know why people reacted <laughs> that strongly towards it, but at the same time, there's a lot of people who do love it. Yeah, and I count sometimes. myself among them. I really enjoyed it.
0: Okay, yeah, and
1: it's apparently being made into a movie or a show. I don't know.
0: It has been. It is pretty popular, so yeah, wouldn't uh, be yeah. surprised. Yeah. Yeah, that does tend to be the case with, like, really good books, Mm -hmm. that, like, they are super polarizing. Not necessarily to say a really good book as in a very popular book, but the same does kind of apply, where, like, a book just by virtue of being polarizing... Mm -hmm. Uh, sorry, by virtue of being popular, it gets exposed to so many people, a much wider mm-hmm. range of people yeah. than it otherwise would, especially genre books. Not that that one is. I think that that would just... Is no. Con- it's contemporary just, fiction. Like,
1: yeah, general contemporary. Like, it's no. not anything... I can't put it into a specific box okay. other than that. L- like
0: we just did for contemporary fiction. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a much wider <laughs> yeah, that category. Just, that just means today, not fake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think like some I, I read that recently about Brandon Sanderson. Somebody asked, I think on one of the subs, like why. I think I saw that post as well. I think it was either on the books sub. I think it must it, have
1: been on books because I'm not subbed to like sci-fi ones. or fantasy or anything. Oh, yeah,
0: like you say that with scorn. In your no, words. <laughs> I didn't mean it was scorn. I don't mean it was scorn. <laughs> no scorn. No scorn. Scorn flakes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the top answer was something like that. That like by virtue of him being so popular, lots and lots of people get to read it yeah. who generally don't read fantasy and might dislike it just by mm-hmm. virtue of it being that. But, yeah, just good books tend to be that way, I think. Yeah, like and I think of...
1: we've talked about it before as well. Like, I don't know how prevalent this is, but some people might like being kind of cool and... and how uh, contrarian yeah, yeah, just for the sake of it. You know, this book is so popular, but I hated it. I don't know why... I don't know if that's real, if that happens much, but I can imagine it might.
0: I usually just get pissed off when that happens to me. <laughs> like, I get, like, frustrated that, like, lots of people are enjoying this book and I'm not.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like, what what am I not getting? Yeah. Like, why can't I like this?
0: Yeah, I guess, like, I, I can see how that would... I don't actually, I couldn't even tell you if I think that it does happen to me in that way where, like, I would feel angry or frustrated at the people who like it by saying, this isn't working for me, therefore it's stupid, therefore those people are stupid, because they like something that I dislike, and mm-hmm. I'm not wrong. Yeah. You know, that, that is like a bit of a caricature caric- <laughs> 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 caricaturization of that sentiment, but some people do come across as that, you know, Yeah, the fact that like everybody likes Brandon Sanderson. And
1: therefore I'm cool, because I don't. It's for kids. Yeah. Yeah. So that happens, for um,
0: sure. Which would probably be like one of the Books that we should read relatively soon-ish. I don't have an issue with, like, discussing a book that I read, like, a year ago or years ago or something. I will definitely brush up on it. Mm -hmm. But I did listen to it, like, in the last month or something. And you have to read that so that we can discuss it. If you would like to.
1: Yes, I would eventually. It's just because it's, it's obviously very long. So it feels like a commitment in the sense that I have a lot of other books... Mm-hmm. on my mind that i also want to read mm-hmm. so i don't necessarily want to tie myself up for a while with a big book but mm-hmm. maybe i'll do the thing that you did and maybe it's better to listen to it as an audiobook
0: that was definitely one that i could do the audiobook yeah. for that was also fantastic it was narrated by two people mm-hmm. and it was great that is a long fucking book though that yeah. was 45 hours oh my god of audio that's long yeah the second one is 48 Wow. Yeah. Brando,
1: Sando, chill out, man, yeah. with these long books.
0: Somebody needs an editor.
1: Someone needs to chill out, bro.
0: <laughs> They're pretty long. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I looking back, I think it's... Uh, I can't tell you I was worth it because I didn't read it. I listened to it. Mm-hmm. I read, like, the first third or something, and it took me forever. In comparison to other books, I think. And by the author's own words, there's a big learning curve, I didn't feel to me like it was a challenging world to try to get into. I think by learning Curve, what he was describing was like, there's a shit ton in here. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of book. And a lot of characters, a lot of backstories, a lot of whatever. But uh, if I'm going to say something about that book and that author, now that I've read three books by him, is that... His characterization is probably what makes him so famous, and what's what people attach themselves to in those books and mm-hmm. in his work is that like his characters do feel real, even though they live in these fantastical, unrealistic settings. Mm-hmm. Unrealistic might be not the most charitable word to use, but definitely fantastical settings. Yeah, looking back after like, especially like with the, the damn good quality of that audiobook. Those characters do feel well rounded and real to me as opposed to many others, mm-hmm. particularly in that genre, too.
1: Yeah, well, I'll get around eventually to reading it. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: thank you for joining us. Join us hopefully once again in the future. Do read this book if you haven't, and if you haven't, we just spoiled it for you once again.
1: But it's still worth reading because yeah. we didn't even scratch the surface of the story, so
0: yeah fantastic
1: yes and thank you again kyle for sending us a message about this book we really appreciate it and we always love recommendations so don't hesitate to email us
0: yes send us an email to apartmentlibrarypodcast at (laughs) gmail.com